hard as ever, I can tell you that. <laughs> Putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, I don't get a day break, they ain't cold. It's no good! He missed, it. He, missed it. It. he missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 90 of the Soda City Sit-Down. We've got four out of your five hosts today. Uh, Tyler's probably out doing some dad stuff today, so we're going to let him do that. Uh, Ori's still recovering from the Ravens game last night. We're not really sure which one it is yet, but we're giving him his day off today. I think he deserves it. Uh, we got, you know, we're still recovering. Uh, we'll, no, we'll give it to him, though. Bad day, for, or bad week, I should say, for Carolina football. But we are moving on to Vandy, which we will cover, uh, as well as our breakdown of the Tennessee-South Carolina game. Uh, so hopefully there is a light at the end of the tubble, tunnel. Uh, don't forget to check out our social media. we got Twitter and Instagram. We are at Soda City Sit Down on both of those platforms, as well as give us a listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are on both of those. So don't forget to go check us out. And I guess without further ado, we're just going to roll right into it. Uh, who wants to get us started on the breakdown for Tennessee, South Carolina? I am so sick of losing to Tennessee. Not as much as I'm tired of losing to Kentucky, but I'm, I'm tired of losing to Tennessee. And you know what? Since Tyler's not here, I'll go and take my shots at him. Let's just get right into it. Tyler. Tyler has said, gone on record saying. He's not even here to defend himself. Good. He's going to listen. He's going to take it. He's gone on record saying Josh Hoople, 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 however you say his name, is a terrible coach. And I have said many times that he is a very good offensive coach, and I thought he did pretty well at Mizzou for what it's worth. Tyler spat on my take, said I was dead wrong. I also said I don't think our defense is as good as everyone's hyping it up to be on paper. I think once we play a good offense there would be some holes that would be exposed. And I said Tennessee would be a very good test of that. What happened on the first four drives? Touchdowns. Tyler, I am calling you out as an analyst in football. I don't think you know what you're talking about at all. Did I think you are blind. Tyler knew what he was talking I think about? you are blind, and I think you are a moron. That was a fantastic wrestling promo. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you <laughs> in the ring, August twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Tyler, coming to you. All right. Now that I have that off my chest, y'all can get into the breakdown. Uh, so we won the game. If you get rid of the first quarter, funny coincidence. That's the only, that's I was only able to watch the first quarter. Hmm. You're fired. Hmm. Sounds yeah. So okay, let let's just dive right in here real quick. So we all knew Tennessee was this fast-paced team. They've been really good in the first quarter all year, including last week against Missouri. They jumped out to the same 28-0 lead. What did we see from that first quarter? So offensively, we're, we'll, we'll spe- specify the, the trick play at the goal line. But other than that, I saw a pretty good effort running the ball. I mean, our... It was weird because they Tennessee did get a lot of tackles for loss. I think they had, like, I remember them saying nine at one point, which is a lot. But we were also averaging pretty good on our run plays. I mean, if you want to take positives away from the game, there were holes for our running backs to run through at times. But on it, the rest of the first quarter, every time Tennessee had the ball, especially the second two drives, it was like 36-second three-play drives. And on all of them... It was just like our secondary just didn't know even where to line up. If they played deep, then they would let a seven-yard pass go. If they played up, they would get beat over the top. I mean, it was just pathetic. And I know Cam Smith was hurt. I know R.J. Roderick was out for the game, or at least the first half, I mean. But past that, like, our secondary's got to be better than that. And they did get better in the second half. It's kind of inexplicably Looked better. Maybe that's just Tennessee slowing down the pace. But, I mean, Devin, you said it. I mean, the, the secondary has done well up to this point in the season, but we knew they were going to get exposed at some point, and this was it. Well, I mean, you know, the, the secondary, you have to give them credit for what they've done so far. They play with a lot of heart, and they go out there and play their hardest, and no one's questioning their energy or effort at all. I mean, we don't have a single 
cornerback who started last year on this team anymore, right? Cam Smith is our most veteran cornerback. I just like Jalen Foster. I want to I want to point him out because he has been everything we have wanted and more. I think he is a high IQ guy. I think he's a really intelligent football player. But at the end of the day, like, and no offense to him because he's become one of my favorite players on the defense. It's just like he was a walk on. And he's playing against the best talent in the country in the SEC. And as good as he has been, he can't do everything. He can't be that guy. He's probably not going to be a first-round draft pick. And when he's the best player on your team defensively, you're going to have issues. Or in, in the secondary, like, he, you're going to have issues. And that first quarter, man, our secondary just looked lost. And they, and they went on record saying it. Like, yeah, guys weren't lined up in the right place. We weren't prepared for the tempo. And... I think that has less to do with the talent and more to do with the, the coaching on how they prepared for this game. Zach Pickens went on record saying that the game was tough because they weren't prepared for that pace of an offense. Well, didn't Tennessee come out and say that they were going to try to run 100 plays on South Carolina? Yeah. So how, why were they not prepared? Why were they not prepared to see a super fast up pace? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what film offense? were they watching? I, yeah, what I, film I have were questions. they watching? Like, what were they exactly. doing that week they had to prepare? Were they watching a different team? Were they watching Tennessee film from last year that was outdated? I, I generally have no idea. I'm with you. The secondary seemed lost. They were giving up big plays in the middle. Simple routes, posts, crosses, it didn't matter. We couldn't cover it. They were getting huge yards, uh, huge air yards, and then uh, yards after catch, uh, what Tennessee was, and just moving the ball downfield. I mean, they, they nothing. we couldn't stop them. It didn't matter who they were throwing to. It didn't matter what receiver or even the backs. They were they were gaining yards. Um, it was it was absolutely horrible. And then uh, as well, I want to kind of go into my gripes here. I thought the offensive play calling in the first half was anemic again. Second half it got better. We'll go into that. But I thought it was kind of bland again. A lot of run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Um, and then, you know, we try to get too cute there. And we can, I'm sure this topic will be dove in, in or dived into later. Uh, that we tried to be way too cute going. We were run, marching the ball down the field, running the ball, you know, about seven yards a rush, and decided to get cute and have that trick play, which I, I absolutely despise and I cringe even thinking about it. But yeah, uh, Devin, I definitely blame that first quarter, that first half, and really that first quarter on coaching. I don't know what they were watching. I don't know what they what they thought Tennessee was going to do. We saw what they've been doing the past couple of weeks offensively, putting up 60 points. Um, that's what this team does, especially in the first quarter. I think that's their best quarter by far for the year. Um, so I, I just have lots of questions about preparation because the, the difference between that first half and second half was literally like a, a brand new Carolina team. Like during that half, they went and watched every bit of Tennessee film for that 15 minute halftime and then came out and was able to stop them. So I, I have no idea. I can't tell you what went on. To, to say that that play call from the two yard line, especially watching that drive and how we were just manhandling Tennessee up front, something we haven't done all year. Kevin Harris was running off seven yards a carry or something like that through there, just absolutely dominating, and then to run that play call. That is the worst play call I've ever seen. Single-handedly. By far, far. yeah. And I love Shane Beamer, and he's obviously he's going to defend his guys, but to to sit up there and say that they – that was like something they practiced all like in something that they were happy to run and and the play call before it putting Dak Joyner in the game to run a, a wildcat that literally hasn't resulted in a positive play every time we've run it this season that I mean think about if we just handled we were ball averaging seven yards there. a rush we're probably I get getting cute. The end zone. don't if it ain't broke don't fix it run up the middle I don't I don't care if they're stacking the box just run it up it was such a momentum killer, and then Tennessee goes straight down the field. I mean, it's fourteen seven if we get the ball, if, yeah. if we get it in there. That's a game twenty one zero. It's it's practically over. Okay, let it, let let me have an unpopular opinion. I don't think that the Jordan Birch interception was a bad play call. I think that the Wildcat was an awful play call because that nobody in the world respects Dak Joyner to throw the ball because he, he can't throw it. And like they can literally put 11 guys on the run in, in that formation. So it's just never going to work. So, but I think putting Birch in there, a guy who played offense in high school and is a legitimate threat to run the ball in. I don't think that play call was bad. Like the receiver, I believe it was Nick Muse. He was wide he was open. covered. 
Oh, you're talking about, oh, you're talking about on the other side, no, on the other side, no, on the other side, on no, the other side. My bad, no, he, my bad, he, my bad. No, yeah, Birch um, literally comes out, like, running, and they heavily respected the run. He was wide open. Like, all he had to do was put a little bit more air on the ball, and it was an easy touchdown. Like, But I, why are you putting that in your defensive end's hands? It's a why trick play. Why are you play. asking your like, defensive I, it's, like, Clayton, a defensive end isn't going to have the wherewithal in that moment to make a good throw or to throw the ball away to do whatever. It's the last person you want throwing the ball. And he threw it in a triple card. Also, if you have a quarterback, you've, you've got a quarterback in Dak Joyner who, he's a, he was a quarterback. He's been a, playing quarterback for the longest time until he recently moved to receiver. If you're going to run that play, let him throw the ball. Why are we putting a defensive end in who, to throw a, like, it? it he looked like he had had no business throwing a football in the backfield. Just absolutely no business. I really don't think that play is that big of a deal. Like it's just a big deal because uh, of the well, result. It was a fourteen point swing. But I, yes. I think it's as bad. Okay, maybe not. I think that the wildcat call before is a worse play call than the than the interception. I think I think one of the things I saw that that made a lot of sense to me is like did did nobody learn from Pete Carroll throwing the ball after at, when you get to the two yard line just why on first down literally people throw it all from that the two yard the all the time like I'm, on I'm, first I'm down saying, with your defensive end am, am after I saying what that we just uh, watched we from our rushing have, game though am, yes I'm I'm not saying that oh like should we have just run the ball straight up the middle four times. I don't think so, but... You don't do like, two trick plays in a row. Try you, don't, you do not come out and do two trick plays in a row. And that's why, really, my problem is with the first play call. Like, I I just do not think that the Wildcat is good for this team. I think that Dak Joyner is not good. I just really... Like, no offense to him, but, like, he has played so poorly this year. And We've shown we can't we can't use him. Yeah, like I, I think no, that's uh, on there's, him. there's think other guys Tyler, that deserve playtime way more than he he does at this point. Like, I think with Tyler not being here, all of our feelings on Dak Joyner have been explored. I don't think any of us think he should be a starting wide receiver, and we should definitely never run him at Wildcat. But maybe I like think, the occasional like random play, but like end around like, maybe. Yeah, I'm talking like once a game maybe like. It's just it's hard. I think the coaches just respect the kid too much. I really do. I think they're yeah, they're I not making the it. business decisions. They're playing them because of their heart. And I I get it. I mean I love the kid and I wish he was an amazing player. And I I wish he became a first round draft pick. But like it's just not there. But look when when we're letting him be in the game, think about the guys we're not letting see the field in those situations. Jaheim Bell. Just an all-around athlete, but he's actually a receiver slash tight end. Can can kind of do it all. There. I'd like to see Rico we're not Powers letting, more than, than Jordan. We're not letting Rico Powers in. We're not letting EJ Jenkins see the field. I mean, these guys that, while young and haven't had a whole lot of ball touches, like these are the guys that are the future of of what we see in the first few years of Beamer. Like, well, that, think of what and, Van and talented done with more playtime early. Like literally uh, after the George game, Van. Goes up to Muschamp and Muschamp's like, "Why are you good now?" It's like, and Van's answer is, "Well, now I actually get to, to get the targets." And so, like, who else are we suppressing their talent by not? Well, add on to your point to too, ball? Matt. Like, we imagine what our running backs think, honestly. Like Harris has been averaging seven yards a carry the whole drive. He's really been carrying the offense, and then we just don't put him back in. We run two cute plays. Yeah, we take, take him off the field, and we don't utilize him. Like he he literally was on a roll. We, he was on fire, and we literally just pump we pump the brakes. We got the fire extinguisher and we put out the fire that he created and, and we turned the ball over. How do you think he's supposed to feel? Or our other running backs? It's like, do you not trust me to get it in, coach? Did, am I, did I do something? Like, how are they supposed to feel as a unit, as an individual, when they're on fire and our coach just says, okay, you're done. We're going to try and do two cute plays. Oh, and we turn the ball over. That's demoralizing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm much rather would have Jordan Birch carrying the ball in goal line situation than Dak Joyner. Like, and. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really that what I'm saying times, for, right? for that second play call is I I don't have an issue with that Birch getting the ball. It's just unfortunate what happened. I just don't respect Jack Joyner, and neither do defenses. 
I don't. I just don't think uh, Matt and I are gonna, and probably Austin are gonna see eye to eye with you on that one. So I think that's the worst play call I've ever seen, just from how that drive went. But let's move on because we could sit here and talk all day about that. Yeah. So let's talk offense, right? So other than that, and it, the beginning was slow. We we ran the ball fairly well, but overall it wasn't it wasn't moving well enough. It, it kind of got its legs a little bit later on. I, I thought Doty was up and down. We did show what, what the result of our games are going to be if we lose the turnover battle. Uh, if our defense isn't forcing turnovers, we it's not going to be good news for us. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was like the 2017 team that just was, they had a, a bunch of picks and kept us in games through the turnovers. But this game kind of showed what happens when that, that doesn't go our way and we, we turn the ball over a couple times. I thought the play calling got better in the second half. Uh, shout out to special teams. Just if there's anything we've got going for us, it's special teams and our just the culture of, of our team. To come out in that second half and to just fight, speci- specifically on defense, because our offense, I mean, they only scored 13 points in the second half. It wasn't anything fantastic. I know we were going for touchdowns, no field goals, so we could have had a couple more points on the board, but to come out in that second half and to have made adjustments and to fight, we never really had a chance, but to just make something out of that second half was was very important to the future of this team. Yeah, I don't think anyone's questioning the energy or the fight of the team at all. I think that's one thing Beamer is really really instilled in this team and it's one thing I love about the coaching change is the culture and I love the players I love the coaches for who they are but I have serious beef with our head coaches right now for decisions and how the game plan went prior to the actual game and how it changed so much coming out of the second or coming out of halftime like I want to know was did Beamer just have a great speech I mean did did they talk about fun like I just need to know what happened in that locker room that 15 minutes that totally changed the outcome of the game. I mean, did Tennessee just really let up because they were up by that much? Like, I, I just don't understand how you can have such a different first and second half. Yeah, I mean, I think they adjusted. They stopped playing so far. That's true. Yeah, that having huge. Roderick back was huge. I mean, Clayton White, if you got to give him credit as a defensive coordinator for making the adjustments, and I think he's, for the most part, been a bright spot sure. of this coaching stuff. Um, but you know, I think my biggest issue from the offense this game, we could talk about the first quarter, first half defense all day. I, I kind of been pretty disappointed in Luke Doty so far, and you can make the argument that, you know, he's still injured and everyone can see it when he runs, but man, I, Luke Doty's deep ball is not pretty and he's been missing receivers close, far. He's been missing the running backs. I, I hope it's just an injury, or maybe he just hasn't had a lot of playing time yet. I mean, this is, what, his fifth start, I think? Uh, I don't know. I, I hope he gets better because he has not looked very good throwing the ball to me overall. It's gotten a little worse, specifically to his deep balls. I mean, against Georgia, he actually threw some really good ones um, and then has just kind of regressed a little bit. I guess I, I with with how the offense has worked, I'm, it's hard to make a lot of – judgments on this game I guess I was pretty disappointed in the play calling even though I think it did get better in the second half but also like South Carolina we talked about it last week we're not a team built to get into a shootout we're not a team built to make a big comeback offensively so I'm, I'm kind of holding a lot of my judgments of the offense off because when we were down 28 35 nothing obviously the offense wasn't clicking but Everything at that point, that's just not going to be our offensive game plan, and we weren't going to be a, a team that's coming back from that. But I will say one thing I, I noticed from the game that's kind of been a trend all year. Are, are we? I, I, I guess I kind of want to use this for my MVP and LVP. Are, are we ready for that, or do we have any final thoughts? No, let's go. Okay, so MVPs, I, I have to give it to... The run game. Um, I thought our offensive line made holes. They weren't perfect, but it was the step in the right direction we we needed. Uh, there were times where there were holes to go through. And I think at one point, I don't know who it was that texted. I think it might have been Austin in our group chat, but it was just like, uh, guys, was, was that a hole that we actually had yeah. for once? 
And to see us see us kind of be able to move up and down the field, Tennessee's run defense going into that game was was fairly good. It was their secondary they were a little bit more worried about. And to see us kind of run the ball at times was, was really nice. I'll, uh, I'll tap my MVP be Kai Kroger. Name me a quarterback with better stats than Kai Kroger. Every pass he's thrown has been a touchdown. Can be better than that. And it was also like a 450-yard touchdown or something like that. You got to give it to Lembo, too, if you're doing that. MVP. Absolutely. (laughs) He's been a a freaking A-plus hire. I guess mine specifically would just be Juju. And I know it's tired naming Juju the MVP, but, like, he's the best player on this offense, and I don't think it's even in question. And not even only on offense. On special teams, Juju looks incredible on kick returns or punt returns. I don't know if y'all noticed that in this game specifically. Maybe it's because it was the first time I was watching on TV in a while, but man, he is an electric guy running that ball back. It is so fun to watch him run. And I hope our O-line can get better because Juju's going to be really good for us. So for me, I kind of went back and forth. Uh, Mine's going to be actually positional coaches. I was going to say Pete Lumbo, and I think he deserves it. I mean, what our special teams unit has done, they're disciplined, they're well-coached, they don't make silly mistakes, you know, they're making plays, as we saw against uh, Tennessee. But I'm probably going to have to give it to Clayton White. Uh, I know that might be unpopular based on what happened in the first quarter, but the adjustments that were made at halftime, I mean, we shut Tennessee down that whole second half. Uh, we were playing closer uh, defense. We were playing tighter coverage. We weren't giving up the big plays down the middle of the field. Um, we were getting a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. Like we, we stepped up. I don't know what was said, what he did, but kudos to him for being able to make adjustments. And I think that's something the that last regime wasn't able to do at all was make adjustments going into the halftime. So to see them go in there, despite getting their butts absolutely handed to them, they fought, they kept going, they, they didn't give up. So that's who my MVP goes to. I'd also, uh, sorry, I I was going to say, I also like to give an honorable mention because I've been extremely critical of Marcus Satterfield and rightfully so, I would say. But in this game, there's one thing that stood out to me that I think he did that was amazing for our offense overall, and that was including a lot of fullback blocks. I I don't know if you guys noticed this. Josh and I noticed this a lot. Anytime we had a fullback in, we actually had time to throw the ball. We actually created gaps with our fullback picking up a a blitzer. And I noticed that when we didn't have the fullback in, the pocket collapsed a lot easier and the run game was a lot more stagnant. So putting that fullback in was just A-plus coaching in my opinion. Well, that's exactly what we did last year under Bobo. He's like one of the – because I remember last year people freaking out. It's like, wow, Mike Bobo actually uses a fullback. And it seems like that was a, a, a key to his success, and I think we should keep using it going forward. Yeah, and Prentice did pretty well as a blocker for us too. So, yeah, I mean, I love solid. it. Uh, last honorable mention I'll give, or we mentioned it a little bit, just the the culture of the team to come back in the second half and, and fight. Also, we mentioned him a little bit, but Jalen Foster, 13 tackles, uh, just being pretty disruptive. I, I know that he had to shoulder a lot of uh, that first quarter, him and the rest of the defensive backs, but another solid game for a guy that just continues to be pretty consistent. Um, but, Devin, you, you mentioned um, offensive coordinator, and for LVP, I've here's, here's what, what I'll say about what we've done so far this year in the first half. And I don't know what it comes down to, but you you know how we always there's always this thing that's said like the the offense is always supposed to be at its best in the first drive because you have there's always this the whole first drive is is set up they they have all the plays ready for that drive or at least that's how Bobo did it last year a good bit. Um, our offenses looked horrific in every first drive and and really every first half this entire year. Eastern Illinois, we went three and out in the first drive. Against East Carolina, we did not score a point on offense in the first half. Against Georgia, we got a couple field goals. Kind of throw that one out. Against Kentucky, we didn't score a touchdown until the, the first drive of the second half, which, you know, good adjustments, I guess, to the second half. But that that's kind of a key theme you're seeing with this team is just these slow starts. And that's my LVP, is just what are we doing as a team that we're just getting jumped all over early in the game. And I know this was a bad matchup, too, because Tennessee is all about their fast starts. But 
it seems like we're making halftime adjustments pretty well. We've come back in a couple games. We've we've been aided a little bit by turnovers and pick sixes before the half in a few of them. But we've just started so slow, and it would be so nice to just come out and have a really good first drive and take a lead on somebody in the first quarter. I don't care if it's Vandy, if it's Troy, if we're playing Texas A&M in a few weeks. We just have to have some sort of fast start. It just need it. That's a that's a beautiful point. Yeah, I haven't. I, I mean, I've thought about that, but I've never really put it into words like that, and really thought like thought that that was a major issue. But you're absolutely right. Like, it's sickening to watch our offense come out and be stagnant on the first drive of a game and go three and out. But my my LVP is you know, and it's tough because there was a lot of bad from this game. But I talked about it a little bit, and I think it's just Shane Beamer, man. I. I love the guy. I love his energy. I love everything about him. I'm not sure how I feel about him as a coach right now. I mean, I'm going to support him. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to want the best for him. But this team was not ready for Tennessee. They were not prepared, and they said as much. And that falls on the head coach. So I I don't know what he has to do differently. I don't know if changes need to be made in the coaching staff in the near future or what. But I think the coaches really let down the team this week. So mine is going to be, I'm going to kind of beat a dead horse. I would say play calling slash execution, but really what I'm not seeing right now, I know it's still early in the season and we have a new coaching staff, but development. I don't know if I'm really seeing improvement from our offense so much. As Matt said, we have this habit of starting every game absolutely ice cold. We go into the locker room during halftime, make some adjustments, and then get a little bit better. But we're not getting off the hot starts. It looks like we're not watching film on defenses or even really offenses, I guess. Um, just it, the play calling seems to be the same every game, and it doesn't work, and we don't try and fix it. We try and get too cute when it does work. Um, execution and development right now are big red flags for me. Doty doesn't look like the quarterback we thought he was going to be. Again, yes, he is hurt. I'll give him that. And this is only what his fifth, sixth start. Um, but I'm just not seeing – we're young and we don't have the talent that's there yet, but I'm not I'm not really seeing any development week to week. It looks like we're kinda of staying the same. Kind of flat. Um, my LVP are people that schedule their weddings for Saturdays in the fall. Like, come on. Good people. answer. Good answer. I have college football to be watching. I didn't get a, I got to watch only the worst part of South Carolina, Tennessee. I missed the ending of Ole Miss, Arkansas. I missed the ending of Texas, Oklahoma. I missed Texas A&M beating Alabama. Like, well, come on. Like, I'm just going to miss all the good come games because I have to go to a freaking wedding on Saturday. It was a great week of football, like, too, uh, for the most part. Anybody that schedules a wedding on Saturday in the fall, you are an LVP. If you're going to do it, at least make it the bye week. Like, yeah. Like, is, it not, is it that hard to ask? Matt, you were also at a wedding this Saturday. I okay. was. I was. <laughs> Them. You know, That's rough. I got to I got to watch our game, and then I wasn't really in the mood to watch football so much the rest of the day. So at least there was that. True. Before right. we get into our SEC picks or or moving the chains, I'd like to bring back a segment that we haven't done in a while. You know what that is, Matt? Flop of the week. You're not mad. Yes, it's time for Flop of the Week. Now, some of you remember our good friend Josh. Now, Josh has done multiple things this past week that I am very disappointed in him. Disappointed in him for. First of all, he bet on the Gamecocks to cover the spread on Saturday. Come on, Josh. We have never won a game when Josh has bet on us to cover the spread. Josh, betting on something is the equivalent of just... You know it's not going to happen. It's Josh, just not. Josh bets on the Panthers to beat the Jets, and then the Jets almost beat the Panthers. Like, you know, it's... He is a sucker when it comes to gambling. That is the, the professional. Josh is a term. curse, a blight on now, the betting world. Absolutely. Now the second thing, and this is more recent, as of about an hour ago, and this is what I'm more angry about. I'm more angry about this than the Gamecocks losing. Josh was supposed to be a special guest on our podcast tonight. On Saturday, he said he'd be down to do it on Tuesday. 
and I was excited to have him. I even had some questions written up for him. Josh, who is newly in a relationship, bailed on our plans to enter. Newly. Newly. Fresh. He bailed on our plans to interview him for this podcast so he could go out with his girlfriend who randomly asked him to. They didn't have plans. She just randomly asked him, hey, let's go out. And he bailed. Now, Matt, we have made a lot of simp jokes about you on this podcast over the past year. Have we? I am genuinely sorry. Josh is a simpaholic. Josh. Josh Pittman, I'm calling you out. You are a simp and you are a bad friend. I'm with the today. WWE promos today. I've been saying it for literal months. All right, let's move on to moving the chains. I'm called out everyone who's not here. Well, we can move on, and you know what better than to get Vanderbilt at home in what could be our last time we're favored this year. I think it's pretty fair to say. I don't, I don't maybe Missouri, but since that's a road game, I doubt it. So uh, South Carolina kicking off at 4 p.m. The, the fair is here, so you want to talk about LVPs. The South Carolina State Fair intersecting with South Carolina home games. Worst pair ever. But thankfully, we don't have a parking spot in the fairgrounds, so we don't lose our spot for this game. You know, that's that's always a good thing. Do uh, we lose Van- cut through to the stadium? Uh, yeah, but that's all right. It's probably just going to be excessive traffic like there always is, but that's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, Vandy has struggled heavily this year. Everyone kind of expected them to be the worst team in the SEC, and they've been that and probably worse. Uh, they did somehow end up beating Colorado State early in the season and then scratched out a win against the only team probably worse than them in the FBS, being UConn. Um, that, the line kind of respects that, that Vandy's horrible, and uh, they put South Carolina opening as a 16-point favorite. So we're going to get into our Moving the Chains segment here. Uh, this is our preview for every game that we play this season. Uh, we'll get into a, a first down, a second down, a third down, and a fourth down. For each of these categories, uh, starting with first down, each of us will bring something that we are confident in South Carolina when it comes to the matchup, and second down being the opposite, something we are maybe a little bit pessimistic about in from the South Carolina end against our opponent. Third and fourth down shift over to the, uh, the opponent of the week. This week will be Vanderbilt. And uh, third down will be something that we think we can exploit when it comes to Vanderbilt. Something that they're weak at, uh, which should be a lot of things, hopefully. And then fourth down being something we're worried about that our opponent brings. So, to start it off, first down, I think you just have to go with that our offensive line and our run game took a much-needed step last week into creating holes, like we mentioned, using the fullbacks a little bit to get gaps. I think it's a another week that Kevin Harris gets a little healthier, that Juju has a, a few more snaps. This should be a game that I'm hoping we can really dominate on the ground. And it, it'll get a, it could do a lot for our confidence. This team has a great culture so far. So being able to gain a little bit of confidence in running on the ground and really get some work against a team that struggled so mightily, that's something I'm really looking forward to. That, that being said, it... it there's, Vandy even had times against Florida this past week in, in their 42-0 to loss where they did slow Florida's offense down a little bit. So I really want to see us come out and, and really work at pounding the ball and then have timely passes and just see our offense do what they're supposed so to do. So for me, week. I'm actually going to go opposite of you. I went on the other side of the ball. I want to say our defense. Now I know Devin earlier talked about how he thought our defense would be exposed by better teams. Well, fortunately for us, Vandy is not one of those better teams. They're one of the worst offenses in college football. So I expect our defense to make plays. We should at least produce a turnover, if not two turnovers. Um, We've been really good about those lately. Um, I I think their offense is just bad, and our defense has really stepped up. I don't expect Vandy to get to the hot start that Tennessee did, and I expect our defense to keep us in this game. Not that it won't be close to start, but I think our defense really just keeps this game from getting anywhere close. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to say special teams is going to be our, our first down because, well, honestly, our special teams is by far our best unit. You're not wrong. So, you're, not, you're not wrong. Our best, our, best head, our best coach is on special teams. Our best players are on special teams. Eh, that might be a debatable statement. <laughs> but not too hot, honestly. 
But yeah, Ty Kroger I, for I mean, QB one. I agree with that. I mean, that's what Beamer said. Your best players and Muschamp for that matter. Your best players play, play special teams. So uh, yeah. So I think you all pretty much covered it for me on first down, Matt. You want to well, start? We did offense, off defense, down? and special teams. So that's everything. Yeah, I think we're pretty confident. Uh, second down, it's just a, a a hangover, right? Against Tennessee, coming out and and dropping the twenty-eight zero lead. It's something, and, and I mentioned it, is, is my LVP is just the slow starts. If, if we come out and punch Vandy in the mouth early, the game is over. But we have not proven that we're capable of doing that yet this season. Uh, I know I was talking about some of our first drives and our first halves. In our first drives this season, we've scored six points in, in five first drives. And in the first halves, uh, I'll try to do some quick math. Against EIU, we scored 29. Okay, that's fine. It's EIU. Uh, we scored zero against ECU, six against Georgia. Uh, I want to say maybe three against Kentucky. Did we score against Kentucky in the first half? Uh, Troy, we got maybe 10 points in the first half, I want to say. And then last week, we got seven late in the, the half. So for us to just put up double-digit points is not something we've proven we can do in the first half offensively. So that that's one thing I'm worried about is the hangover effect from last game and just having another slow start and let Vandy We did not score in the first around. half against Kentucky, just FYI. So to gotcha. to uh to add on to that, Matt, that's kinda of what my what my second down is as well. You know, first and foremost, Shane Beamer hasn't won an SEC game here yet. I know we've only played three SEC teams, two of them are undefeated right now. But um you know, on top of you're talking just about the first half, our offense hasn't scored more than 16 points against any team barring EIU. 16 points. You're not going to beat many SEC teams or any of them not named Vanderbilt with only scoring 16 offensive points. Like that's pitiful. And you know, I think with the biggest thing that could cause us to lose this game is if our offense comes out here and just lays an egg. And with Satterfield, well, I don't want to just outright blame Satterfield, so I'll just say our offense, that's that's very possible. Yeah, I don't want to say really everything that's already been said because I basically agree with the two of you. If we go into the first quarter and leave the first quarter without scoring any points, I'm going to have red flags going off all over the place. I'm going to be in full panic mode. Not necessarily saying we're going to lose in that situation, but that is abysmal to uh, go into a game like this at home and not put up any points. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that because you guys pretty much covered exactly how I feel. Well, uh, Clayton, I don't know if you have anything to mention. I'm, I'm just going to say uh, second down is, for me, is just turnovers. If we start screwing around and turning the ball over a lot, that's how we're going to lose this game. So otherwise, we are more talented. We should easily win this game. But if we start turning the ball over, start making stupid mistakes like that, that's how they can hang around and win. So cut those out, and we should be good. All right. Uh, over to third down. So some of the things we I think we can take advantage of against Vandy. I mean, we know we know the obvious ones, right? We know that Vanderbilt's not an extremely good team. They don't have a ton of talent. They're in a year one. And honestly, they're worse than we thought they were going to be to an extent. Uh, they scratched out a couple wins, which honestly, the fact that they have two wins, I'm pretty surprised by. Um, but the biggest thing you have to look at with this team is their offense is completely uncap- incapable. They managed 30 points against UConn. That's great and all. But in their two SEC games this season, albeit against Georgia and Florida, they have yet to score a single point. And that's pathetic. I don't care who you're playing. To get zero points in multiple SEC games is just really bad. And I think our defense is good enough, even though we struggled in the first quarter against Tennessee. Outside of that one quarter, our defense has been pretty solid all year. So I have a fair bit of confidence to hold Vandy, hopefully to single digits. I mean, I don't know if that should be a goal necessarily, but I think it's something we could strive for. And Throw in the fact that we've had a lot of turnovers go our way this year. We scored a lot of defensive touchdowns. I mean, this could be a real a real thing to see if our defense can outscore Vandy's offense. I'm just saying, could happen. 
Yeah, I guess mine would just be, you know, come on. It's Vandy. Enough said. Enough said. Well, over to fourth down, just a, a couple things that they could bring to the table. You know, they do have a veteran quarterback in Ken Seals. And while he's not been spectacular by any means this season, um, he, he does have 1,000 passing yards this season, over 1,000 passing yards. He, he's shooting about a uh, about a 60% completion percentage. So he is a veteran. He's not a bad player. He's I, I'd still say I'm, I'm fairly confident we have better quarterbacks, and he's probably still on the bottom end of QBs in the in the SEC. But just having a guy who's who's been around a while and and played in that system, you never know. I mean, we we've kind of made a name for ourselves in in making average to average mediocre quarterbacks just look like Heisman contenders. So it's always possible. I know they have a, a couple decent receivers. Their run game's kind of non-existent. So. I don't know. I mean, their quarterback play could always be something that, that gets uh, For to me, us. I think it's Vandy's going to come in with the attitude of they have nothing to lose. I mean, I think they. I mean, their season's realistically over. Um, they haven't looked good. And so, you know, what do they have to lose? They might pull out trick plays. Um, they've got a first-year head coach like we do. They're kind of figuring out themselves as a team right now, but they're going to come with the attitude of we got nothing to lose. And truthfully, they may come into this game thinking they might be able to beat us. I mean, if, you, if you're from the outside looking in, South Carolina on offense hasn't looked that good. So Vandy may come in thinking they have a chance. They've got nothing to lose. Um, even though they just got their butt stomped by Florida, new week, um, they might come in here with, with just this head-high attitude. So we can't slip. Matt, you brought up a great point. We Not even just quarterbacks, but teams in general we ha- that we should be beating. We have a habit of keeping it way too close. So if we end up doing that again, we might slip around into a game that we don't want to have with Vandy. Yeah, I agree. I think Vandy, you know, Vandy looks at their schedule and sees South Carolina and looks like, hey, this team is very beatable. I mean – they barely beat Troy and ECU. Why can't we? Why can't we hang with them? And I think it could put them in a mentality that if they can come out there and just set the stadium on fire, I don't think it'll happen, but it's a possibility. Not to mention, like I don't care who you are, if it's Vandy all the way up to Georgia, nobody wants to be known as the worst team in the SEC or their league or whatever. And if Vanderbilt beats us in this game we will be the worst team in the SEC, and there's really no question about it. And that's hopefully something that we're not thinking about that's not putting extra pressure on us. But that is kind of what you said, Austin. Like, they have nothing to lose. They don't want to be the worst team in the SEC. If they come into our stadium and manage to pull something off, then they are already ahead of schedule on their in their season. It puts us in a... A significantly bad situation moving forward but we're gonna get into score predictions and see if anyone actually thinks that's gonna happen because yeah. i'll go ahead and start and say i don't think that's gonna happen um i i've kind of gone back and forth a 16 point line is a lot especially with uh how our our offense plays but i think our defense is is going to hold vandy to hopefully 10 or less points and South Carolina's offense has not proven that they're good enough to put a lot of points on the board, but I think if our defense can dominate Vanderbilt as much as they've shown a capability to. I mean, Eastern Tennessee State beat this team by 20 points. I'm hoping we can beat them by 16. Um, I'm going to go South Carolina 30 and Vanderbilt 10. Yeah, I, um, you know, you're talking about being coming last place in the SEC or worse than the SEC, I don't think my mind is uh, is sound enough to handle the memes if we lose this game. So I won't even entertain the thought of it. I think we win 24-3. to three. So, uh, we win. But that 16-point spread is looking a little high. Our offense has been very questionable, and we've get, we keep getting off to these really cold starts. Um, even teams like Troy and ECU, we really aren't putting up the points that we should be for the teams that we're playing. So I've got Carolina 24-7. to You know, honestly, at this point, I just want to pick South Carolina to cover so that in our covering graphic, I, I can get the South Carolina logo there. 
so then people don't roast me for not picking South Carolina. Um, Join the club. But anyways, I think we, we're going to win by at least 16. I, I, I think it'll be 31-13 South Carolina. So, Austin, you 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 were saying that you think South Carolina is going to no. cover the 16. Yeah, right? so, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't yeah, know I realize that now, good, looking right? ahead, that Matt's not a strong suit. Well, you so know, he, so everyone... Did covering or not? He, he have did have him covering. Actually. I was thinking that it's, it's, uh, it's high, but it's it's still doable. But I just, I'm teetering because of the way we've performed in the past couple of weeks. So, And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why if, if all else fails, if you're not very good at math, you can always go into right, the military. Like me. So, yes. <laughs> I still stand by 24 Damn. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I can't really say much because as we move on to SEC Week 7 predictions, I am bringing up the rear here at 20 and 33 in the SEC rankings, but I went 4 and 4 this week. And, you know, excluding the South Carolina Tennessee game, there was a hell of a lot of good games this week. AM with a huge upset nobody saw coming in this group. Against I literally called it. I was like, I mean, A&M would make no sense for them to win. But I, I I literally called it, but I changed the wrong pick. I don't know what our record is as a group when we all pick someone to cover, but it's pretty bad. Um, I tried to switch up and take Vandy to cover, and they, lo- they lose 42-0. to zero. Uh, so I switched up great. to Auburn because I was like, yeah, we're all really bad when this same thing covers. Yeah, I always pick Georgia is the lesson. Well, I feel like if we had all picked it, it would have gone the other way. It's just, there's just something about it. But uh, Clayton and Austin sitting at 25 and 28. Austin's come back a little bit to tie Clayton up hey, in that second tier. And then Tyler and Devin stay the same, even record at 28 and 25, being the only hope of this group's picks. As uh, you know, between the, f- the first four of you, you're, you're right on 500. But uh, Ignore I'm 13, 13 points behind. So. We've got a new week. Auburn, coming off that loss to Georgia, goes on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas, a four-point favorite. The first time they've been favored in an SEC game in the Sam Pittman era. Shocking. Um, really? But, but I'm going to go with Arkansas to cover that spread for the very reason of they're at home. I think they played a really good game against Ole Miss and made the right call at the end to go for two. Just couldn't quite execute it. But their offense is clicking. I think Auburn's going to be beat up after playing that Georgia team. And I'd be I'd be shocked if Auburn comes out with the same intensity that they've showed at times this season. Just because coming off of a game against, against that Georgia defense, they're going to be banged up. It's going to be tough. And Arkansas is just a, a senior-laden team. Uh, they, they've played fairly solidly this year. So I got them to cover that for. Yeah, I think being at home, I think Arkansas is a better team. Honestly, it only being four points is kind of surprising to me. So uh, I've got Arkansas. Well, I don't think Auburn's a bad team by any means. Like they, I don't think they're bad. I just think Arkansas this year. Good. And Arkansas has had some struggles that I've seen from the games I've watched of them. But I don't know enough about Auburn's defense to think that they can hold this Arkansas offense. So I got to go Arkansas too. To uh, I like what Matt said. I was actually going to go along those lines. I think Auburn's going to be exhausted from that beatdown against Georgia. Um, and that's not anything on them. I think that's every team. Georgia just comes in as absolutely manhandling everybody. Auburn's going to be tired, and they're back on the road against Arkansas. Give me Arkansas all day. Yeah, that's why we lost to Kentucky because we were beat up after Georgia. Yeah, exactly. that's the reason. Uh-huh. Honestly, that, yep. that, uh, that score is looking all right for us now. But uh, Florida, an 11-point favorite on the road at LSU. Somehow uh, LSU, I mean, Coach O is still there. I, I don't know if LSU is going to win another game this year. But uh, it's tough because Florida is just, you never know what you're going to get. They, they beat Vanderbilt handily last week, but. From all accounts, it sounded like it wasn't very impressive. They lost to Kentucky, but then they played well against Alabama, so it's really hard to tell what they're going to do. But LSU's consistently been pretty rough. That being said, this one's always a weird game. You remember last year, LSU managed to pull one off against Florida in the infamous shoe game. (laughs) And this one's at LSU. 
I just think some something about this one says LSU is going to have some desperation. I don't know if they win or not, but I think they'll cover 11. Yeah, I'm not picking LSU anymore this season. They are solely the reason my record is so bad right now. Don't care what the line is. Florida's covering. Yeah, Matt liking LSU in this matchup inclines me to pick kind of the opposite. No offense, Matt. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know if LSU wins another SEC game like Matt said as well, so give me Florida. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I think I'm just going to pick with LSU just because it's at home. I'm really, uh, really favoring the home teams here this week, but – I don't know. I don't really don't think LSU is that good, but I also don't think Florida is that good. And 11 points is a, is a good bit to cover. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that LSU can figure out their offense. I think uh, LSU's quarterback, what's his name? Uh, Brennan or something like that. I think he's actually been pretty good, but I don't know. LSU can't really put it together. I think Orgeron probably getting the boot after this season. Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick LSU because they've been pretty freaking terrible. Um, Ole Miss, a four-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. This one's going to be a heck of a game, guys. I mean, two high-powered offenses. Uh, Lane Kiffin returning to Knoxville. Just like a lot of storylines, I think it's one of the more interesting games of the week. I don't know where to go with this one. I really don't because Tennessee looked fairly impressive the last two weeks. And Ole Miss's defense is terrible, so you got to imagine there's going to be a ton of points scored this game. I feel like Over it's going to end up uh, 100 points. Scored? I mean, I feel like, yeah, 100 points. They hit it. They hit 100, what 105 last week against Arkansas, I'll Ole Miss, Arkansas. So, I, I think it it could go either way. Really, I think it's going to be within a touchdown because I think teams are just going to have no defense and go back and forth. But I think when it comes down to it, Tennessee being at home, there's a little hype for them. I feel like it's a one-score game, and I don't know who wins. So in that case, I'm just going to assume it's it's like a field goal game. So I got Tennessee covering. Wait, if it – okay, I see. Um, I think as we all saw on Saturday, Tennessee is the best team in the entire country. Um, yeah, that the was the only way to view the that entire that country. Game. No, it's clear. Um, they're the best offense in the entire country, best in team the in the quarter. entire country that in the first quarter. That uh, that no huddle hundred play offense is unbeatable. So um yeah, Tennessee's covering this one. I have a question. Uh can the Manning brothers like Manning cast this game? Is that a thing? I wanna hear, you know, Peyton and Tennessee and Eli and Ole Miss go at it. I also like, I would literally pay money to have that telecast. Um that would be amazing. But I yeah, this one's tough. Obviously, we know Ole Miss had a had a hell of a match against Arkansas last Saturday. It was back and forth, back and forth. Ole Miss only coming out because they were able to stop Arkansas on that two-point conversion, which I also agreed with the call. Just experience in the SEC and kind of – I, I want to give – I favor Lane Kiffin in this matchup. I think that he'll actually kind of play his offense towards their strengths and he'll actually watch Tennessee's defense and know where their weaknesses are. And, and watching film and all that. So I, I want to have – I'm taking Ole Miss, baby. I'm going – I'm jumping on my bandwagon, my Mississippi bandwagon. I'm going Ole Miss all day. Go Rebels. I've got Ole Miss too. I think Tennessee is a little bit overhyped right now because they beat Missouri and South Carolina. And however we want to say it, Missouri and South Carolina are like bottom four SEC teams right now. Maybe bottom three. Uh, what do you mean? South Carolina went toe to toe with undefeated Kentucky. This is some major we South Carolina copium right now. Georgia. So uh, I, I think Ole Miss is. Yeah, just add just on Tennessee. Team. Like we said, best first quarter team ever. They can't score in the second half. Ole Miss scores like every quarter, so they're just going to rack the points, racking the points. Give me points. All right, Alabama, a fifteen point favorite on the road at Mississippi State. I'm not going to say much about this one. I think uh, Alabama's probably going to be pretty pissed off. They lost to uh, to A&M. So I yeah, got Alabama never, covering. 
Revenge I've never game. felt more sorry for a team. <laughs> Lord have mercy Mississippi on their State soul. Right <laughs> I, just, I mean, Nick Saban's going to run up the score. He's going to do them dirty. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, I'd bet on that line up to 30, to Alabama minus 30. All right, so uh, let's go yeah. to Kentucky, Georgia. Yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty much all agree there. So guarantee Mississippi State pulling off the upset. <laughs> Kentucky at Georgia, undefeated SEC's battle. This could determine who goes to Dear Atlanta God. at the end of the year. Never never <laughs> thought this would be it. And uh, to uh, to account for that, the line is twenty two points in favor of Georgia. Um, Georgia's given me no reason not. To pick them to cover any spread, no matter how high it is this season, but I just don't know, guys. Oh, no. oh, the, no. This is one. This is the game where oh, no. where Kentucky they want this. I don't think they know that they don't want this, but what? for for right now, of course they want it. What do you mean? Like no, but like they they were cheering like they want Georgia. They want Georgia, but like do they really want Georgia? A lot of teams say they want this, but I don't know. It's going to be a, a hype game, but it's at Georgia. The one thing I think that, that we'll see from Kentucky that maybe we haven't seen a lot from other teams this season is the the trench battle of Georgia Georgia's D-line against Kentucky's O-line. Because Kentucky's a run-heavy team. If you make them pass, they're pretty not great. Uh, but then again, I don't know. Maybe Georgia's D-line has their first game where they're not dominant. So I, I don't know how it's going to go. I'm fairly certain Georgia's going to dominate. But I'm going to say it's by three touchdowns and not more. So I got Kentucky covering. I am genuinely concerned Kentucky will not score points this game. Georgia's defense, especially defensive front, is probably the best I've ever seen in college football. I mean, they are nuts. And Kentucky can't throw the ball. I mean, they're 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 going to get exposed at some point. I think Georgia. I mean, not even just this game. I think Georgia's going to sleep sleepwalk their way into a national championship. I mean, there's just not that many good teams in college football right now. At twenty two, forty, whatever, Georgia's going to cover, man. Yeah, I said last week. I learned to just pick Georgia no matter what. I'm picking Georgia no matter what. Dare I say it? We are probably the best defense that Kentucky has faced, and Georgia's blows ours out of the water, and we held Kentucky to 16. I'm with Devin. I, I, Kentucky may not score. I don't. I, I know that they may or may not want this or whatever Matt was saying about wanting something. It, that doesn't matter what they want. They're going to get their ass whooped. It's not even going to be close. Georgia has warranted every bit of respect that they deserve. Georgia will probably blow them out. Shut them out. All right. Well, last game, A&M at Missouri. A&M, a 10-point favorite after their big win. And uh, results have been so weird this year, so it would go right in with the weirdness for Mizzou to somehow pull this one off because it would just make absolutely no sense. Um, and that's why I'm going to pick it. I got Missouri to That's cover. in desperation mode. He's that's in desperation fair, but mode. it's stupid. <laughs> it's fair, but it's dumb. Texas A&M is one of the best running backs in the entire nation, and uh, Isaiah Spiller. Mizzou's defense has not proven they can tackle a running back this season. So, yeah, Texas A&M's going to cover this one. Oh, yeah, I think Texas A&M will cover it, but, like, honestly, does anybody really know how good Texas A&M is? Like, nope, they just beat nope. Alabama with a backup quarterback. Like, how the, how the fuck did that happen? Like, I didn't get to watch it, but, like, like it, I just have no idea how that happened. And I and I I do think Texas A&M will beat Missouri because I like I said before I think Missouri is a bottom four SEC team and they just fired their defensive line coach because they gave up 450 rushing yards to Tennessee. So Sheesh. Uh yeah, I think A&M will beat them by at least 10, but still don't know how good A&M actually is. This week just made it even more confusing. So I just realized, for six out of these seven games, I have picked the favorite to win. And if I'm going to do that, I might as well go full sin and pick Texas A&M to cover this as well. Uh, I think right now they got ahead of steam. They just beat Alabama. We've all mentioned that. That's known to the world now. Um, but they, I feel like they got something to prove now. They just beat the big dogs outside of Georgia. 
Um, they want to win the West, and realistically, it's still within their reach. Al- they need some help with Alabama to lose a couple games, but uh, they got a full head of steam right now, and I feel bad for whoever's in front of them right now because they're going to be on the highest of highs. So, yeah, I got A&M all day. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm pretty confident I'm going undefeated this week. When you're just getting down to the point where you're just picking random teams just for the hell of it, it's not a great place. That's where I was last week. So Well, here's the thing. What have we gotten so far this year using logic? Pain. Personally, I've Pain. I've done worse than coin flipping. So uh, I'll, yeah, take, I'll take my chances. Flipping. All right. So that'll wrap us up. Uh, another great episode, boys. And hopefully next week we go into the bye with a 4-3 and three record. And uh, Coach Beamer's first SEC win. How about it? Yeah, I can't That's wait to it. break down our bye week next week. We'll it's going to be very uh, riveting. Absolutely. You're going to have also, some fun. Also, um, if I get beat up by Josh and Tyler this week, you will probably be hearing a formal apology from me next week. <laughs> nah, back it up, Devin. Uh, yeah, you. if you want to see Devin but, versus Devin. Uh, Tyler and Josh, you will you can see it at the tailgate <laughs> this weekend. So like a 2v1 handicap match. Oh, if I have beer in me, they're, if, if I have beer in me, they're losing. Come on. Yeah, I was about to say, like, if you're picking people to fight, there's definitely worse people to pick. Yeah, that's true. That's probably the Kyle's best odds I have right there, to be honest. Josh has been working out. So do I, technically. <laughs> so. <laughs> and with I that, think that's a good way to yeah, see you guys there. next time. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll end it there. Y'all have a good one. Catch you next week. <laughs>